Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 21 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. We're going to continue to break down some of the Rangers' latest transactions, give you guys some updates on Capo, Caco, and Mika Zabanajad. But first, I think we got to start this show. We got to lead off with Sergei Zuboff and Vaklav Nadaminsky going into the Hall of Fame. Well deserved for both players. They played in different areas, but certainly each one of them more than worthy of Hall of Fame induction. And Zuboff, if you're a Ranger fan, you, you might find it hard to believe. Sergei Zuboff only spent three years of his NHL career with the Rangers. I thought it was quite a bit more than that. I would have said maybe like five at least or six. But yeah, no, just, just three years with the Rangers. But obviously he was a huge, huge part of the 1994 Stanley Cup championship team. He, along with Brian Leach, really anchored that blue line. Just a pair of excellent two-way defensemen and really... I mean, Brian Leach, his resume speaks for itself. Uh, one of the greatest defensemen in Rangers history. Zuboff, a heck of a player himself. I think Zuboff sometimes maybe a little bit in Brian Leach's shadow and people that aren't Rangers fans maybe don't realize just how great he was for the Rangers. He spent most of his career, he spent one year in Pittsburgh after the Rangers and then he spent the rest of his career with the Dallas Stars. He won another Stanley Cup there with them. But yeah, Zuboff, drafted by the New York Rangers in 1990, going 85th overall, and he was just phenomenal that year that the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. He had a great career, you know, through and through, you know, from the time he debuted with the Rangers right until he finally hung him up with the Stars after the 2008-2009 season. Just a great all-around hockey player, great two-way defenseman, but his biggest year, his crowning achievement, certainly the 1993-1994 season with the New York Rangers. He skated in 78 games that year. He scored 12 goals and dished out 77 assists. That's 89 points. That's more than a point per game for a defenseman, which is just crazy. That just does not happen very often. You know, only a handful of guys in hockey every season really even have a chance to do that from the blue line. And Sergei Zuboff made it happen and was a huge part of the team that finally broke the 54-year curse, brought the Stanley Cup back home to New York. And in addition to the great regular season, 22 postseason games for Sergei Zuboff, another five goals, another 14 assists. Look, it might be a little bit of a stretch. It is possible the Rangers don't win the Cup without Sergei Zuboff because they got through the first two rounds of the playoffs fairly easily that season, did the New York Rangers, but they get to the Eastern Conference Finals against the New Jersey Devils, and when you go to Game 7 double overtime, there's very little margin for error, and, you know, Sergei Zuboff, again, continuing to play well through the playoffs. If you take any individual player off that team, especially somebody as good as Sergei Zuboff, it might have been a different story, and Zuboff was great in that series, and he was great in the finals as well. Again, that's, that series against the Canucks going seven games, so... You know, it might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but it might not be. If they don't have Sergei Zuboff, clearly their second-best defenseman. Well, maybe you could throw Jeff Bukaboom in there as well. He played a different kind of game, more of a, a stay-at-home, tough-guy defenseman. But I would say overall game, Brian Leach won, Sergei Zuboff too. He was really just an, an indispensable piece of that championship team and obviously instrumental in helping the Rangers win the Cup. And then the season after the Rangers won the Cup, it actually turned out to be Zuboff's last with the Rangers, skating in just 38 games that year, 10 goals, 26 assists. And then in the offseason, Zuboff is traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins along with Peter Nedved in exchange for Ulf Samuelson and Luke Robitaille. And after the 95-96 season, the Penguins once again trade Zuboff. He goes to the Dallas Stars in exchange for Kevin Hatcher. And that's where Zuboff played the rest of his NHL career. And again, 
you know, a very consistent player, very solid two-way defenseman. He was more about positioning than I think he was about, like, the big hits. Like, I don't remember Zuboff really, you know, punishing guys, you know, in his own zone, but he was just always in the right position. He always just knew what he was doing out there. Uh, great point man on the power play. And, you know, defensemen that can contribute in as many ways as Sergei Zuboff did, they don't just fall out of the sky, you know, and it's all these years later, the Rangers... Since 1994, since winning the Cup in 1994, they had Brian Leach and Sergei Zuboff. They have not had, I would say, a pair of defensemen who are as good as those two. And, you know, that's with all respect to guys like, you know, Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl for a bunch of years there as well. Um, I don't think there were, I don't think the Rangers have ever had two defensemen on the team at the same time that gave you as much as these two did. And again, they've had some great defensemen over the last, you know, 25 years or however long it's been now since the Stanley Cup, but it is, it is really hard to find defensemen that can give you as much as Brian Leach and Sergei Zuboff can. So Zuboff ends up playing 12 seasons with the Dallas Stars. He got double digit goals in all but four of them, and he always was, was chipping in with the assists. 31, or excuse me, 30-plus assists in every one of those seasons except for the last one. Again, just, just a very consistent player, a guy who, you know, you could throw him out there with just about anybody, and he, he's going to be an assist machine. Excellent on the power play. Can't say enough good things about Sergei Zuboff, and it's a well-deserved honor. Probably overdue. He's now in the Hall of Fame. Big congrats to Sergei Zuboff, who finished his NHL career 1,068 games 152 goals, 619 assists, and 164 playoff games with 24 goals and 93 assists. So yeah, again, big congratulations to Sergei Zuboff, long overdue. And then we also have to talk about Vaclav Nadaminsky. He only played in six seasons in the NHL and just one season with the Rangers. His one year with the Rangers was in 1982-1983, skated in 35 games. He was a forward and he scored 12 goals and dished out eight assists. And you might, you know, hear that and think like, uh, well, six seasons, you know, why why, why is he in the Hall of Fame? Well, it's more about what he did off the, he was a good player, no doubt about that. But it's more about, his claim to fame is more about how he came to play in the NHL. And basically, he was the first player ever to defect to North America to play hockey. And he played in his home country of Czechoslovakia for, for many years in the 60s and the early 70s, but he did not like living there. He wanted to get free, and he did that. Basically, I mean, it sounds like he, he essentially had to escape the country, and he did so, and he goes to Toronto and plays in Canada for a number of years. He eventually finds his way to the NHL, spends most of his NHL career with the Detroit Red Wings, plays then one season with the Rangers and one season with the St. Louis Blues, and, you know, again, that was unheard of back then, you know, le leaving your country to, to come to North America and play in the NHL. And obviously we see that all the time now. You know, guys, this NHL league is just chock full of guys from all over the globe. So we are quite literally seeing the greatest players in the world every time we watch an NHL game, which is really cool. And it's just awesome that, you know, this guy, you know, he's, he's a pioneer, basically. You know, he, he comes over here. He took a giant risk and he left his country to, you know, basically chase his dreams, find a better way of life and play in the NHL as he wanted to do. He ends up skating in 421 NHL games, 122 goals and 156 assists. So again, he wasn't in the NHL for very long, but carved out a nice, nice little career for himself, you know, for, for not having spent a whole lot of time there. 
And the numbers are one thing, but the biggest thing that's going to come to mind when you think about Nadominsky is, you know, his his willingness and his courage to leave his home country and and come to North America and play hockey here. And I'll be honest, I didn't really know a whole lot about Nadominsky's story, at least not until the inductees were announced for this year's Hall of Fame class. But now having heard all this, I mean, it's it's a, it's really a crazy story. And you wonder, like, at some point, like, will they make a movie about this or at least maybe like a documentary of some kind? I would love to learn more because, again, I, I feel like I'm just kind of giving you guys the cliff notes. I feel like all I really know is the cliff notes. I'm sure there's a lot more to this story than we all know about. And he's 75 years old, so it's great that, you know, the NHL was smart enough to, to make sure they put him in the Hall of Fame while he's still with us. And, you know, hopefully at some point, you know, maybe they can collaborate on some kind of a movie or a documentary or something, because I would love to learn more about this. Again, just one season with the New York Rangers, but certainly it's worth talking about on this podcast because he contributed enormously to the NHL and the game of hockey. I want to give you guys the latest update on Mika Zibanejad. He has missed nine straight games now with an injury, and it's going to be 10 because he has already been ruled out for Wednesday's tilt against the Washington Capitals. Again, he will sit with the upper body injury. He's been skating on his own a little bit, so, you know, baby steps, I guess. That's that's a little bit of a step in the right direction. He skated on his own before Monday's practice out there on the rink by himself, but, you know, obviously he has not been cleared to return to action yet, and we'll just keep an eye on it. I mean, you know, this day-to-day thing has, has stretched out for quite some time now. We've talked about it. There's nothing we can really do except, you know, keep our fingers crossed and hope that, you know, he can be back sooner rather than later. And the Rangers, for the most part, have continued to score goals even in Zibanejad's absence, but he still is one of their absolute best players. I'd, I'd maybe put him at, like, number two behind Artemi Panarin for right now. You know, as far as just being a scoring threat and being able to make things happen up there, I, I would say, you know, really probably the second biggest threat that the Rangers have. And we got to get him back at some point here. You know, we're really going to look forward to seeing Zibanejad get back out there and, and do what he does. Fingers crossed. You know, it's it's day-to-day. It's day-to-day with us. It's day-to-day with him. It's day-to-day with the team. So we'll just keep an eye on it, and we'll see what happens. And hopefully, like we said, I know I've said this before, but hopefully he's back in there, you know, relatively soon. And then you've got Capo Caco, and he's missed the last two games with the flu. And like we said, it's really a shame because, you know, he was really starting to find his game, and he scored the two goals against Pittsburgh, including the overtime game winner. And now, you know, he's obviously had to sit for the last two games. And it could go either way on Wednesday. You know, he has said that he's feeling better, but it's not 100% yet. So we'll see how it goes. It'd be great to have him back out there. But the flu, I mean, the flu truly is a day-to-day thing. It, it can be nasty. It can really, you know, knock you off your feet. And sometimes, depending how hard you get hit by the flu, it's hard to stand up, much less skate and, you know, compete against the best players in the world. So, you know, we'll see. If Kako needs an extra day off, you know, give it to him. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world. But, you know, hopefully, this is a big game. You don't want to lose three in a row. The Capitals are an excellent team. The Rangers are going to need all the help they can get. And obviously, if Kako is back out there, it would give a nice little boost to the team. So again, you know, we'll just wait and see what happens. We'll update it again tomorrow before the game. And yeah, you know, fingers crossed that Capo Kako is back out there. And the other thing we got to talk about is Leas Anderson and more specifically his demotion to AHL Hartford. You know, this is something we talked about just a few episodes ago, episode 18. We, we kind of, everybody around, you know, everybody who follows the Rangers was kind of weighing in on the Leas Anderson situation and kind of making pitches for what the Rangers should do. And my big thing when I talked about it, and it's something I stand by now, is that the Rangers had several options, and some of them obviously a little bit better than others. But the one thing that they could not do was continue to do what they had been doing, and that is running Leas Anderson out there on the fourth line 
surrounded by, you know, career journeymen and converted defensemen and fighters and just have him out there for like, you know, seven or eight minutes per game. That is not going to lead to Leah Sanderson, you know, really spreading his wings and taking off at the NHL level. It's just not going to happen. And again, this is a guy that the Rangers took seventh overall. It's utterly pointless to just keep running him out there on the fourth line every night for just a handful of minutes. So really, in my mind, you had two choices. You either move him up to the third line where he's surrounded by guys who can score and maybe move Brett Howden down because... Brett Howden hasn't exactly set the world on fire. I think it'd be okay to to flip-flop the two of them for a game, and maybe it gets Leah Sanderson going a little bit. So you could do that. You could move Leah Sanderson up to the third line, or you send him down to the minors. And the Rangers pick the latter. They do indeed send him down to the Wolfpack. And it really just had to happen because, again, it just was not clicking for Leah Sanderson at the NHL level. He was not being put in a position where he could succeed. And if he's down with AHL Hartford, at least now he can skate, you know, probably on a top six forward role or at least the third line, but probably a top six forward and probably with guys who know how to put the puck in the net and obviously against lesser competition and under less of a spotlight being in the minors. And again, you know, it's okay. You know, this doesn't have to be like this embarrassing moment for Leas Anderson. He doesn't have to hang his head in shame because of this. He just has to go down to the minors and continue to kind of hone his craft and get better and hopefully be ready. And hopefully, you know, the Rangers are ready for him if and when they do decide to call him back up. Because if the Rangers call him back up, it cannot be to just center the fourth line for, you know, a couple of minutes every night. But Anderson is back with the Wolfpack, and he's put up decent numbers there before, and hopefully, you know, he can do it again and just, you know, continue to kind of rebuild his confidence and just get rolling and eventually, you know, develop into the player that the Rangers believed he could be when they took him, again, seventh overall. And in a corresponding move, the Rangers have recalled Tim Gettinger from the Hartford Wolfpack. I don't know that the Rangers really have, you know, massive expectations for him. Expectations should probably be kept in check. He's 21 years old. He was just a fifth-round draft pick going 141st overall in 2016. And, hey, you know, sometimes guys, you know, they kind of outperform where they were drafted. I mean, it happens in hockey. It happens in all sports. It's possible Gettinger becomes a great player one day. But I don't think the Rangers really see him as, like, a true blue-chip, top-of-the-line prospect like they do with a guy like Leas Anderson or certainly like they do with a guy like Philip Hedl. Gettinger... Made his NHL debut last year with the Rangers, skated in four games, no points, but obviously that's a very small sample size. And last season was his first year with the Wolfpack. He comes up with 14 goals and 13 assists in 64 games. Again, you know, those numbers don't jump off the page, but he is very young and it's possible that he could continue to develop and get better. And right now, the Rangers going to hope that he can just kind of develop and figure it out all on the fly at the NHL level. And so far this season with the Wolfpack, Gettinger with four goals and two assists. And prior to coming to the Wolfpack, Gettinger spent four seasons with Salt State Mary Greyhounds of the OHL, and he improved every season that he spent there. In ascending order from his first season there to his last season there, 25 points, 39 points, 54 points, 69 points. And his last season there, which was 2017-2018, Gettinger came up with 33 goals and 36 assists in 63 regular season games. And then in the playoffs, 24 games, another seven goals, another 15 assists. So he had himself a whale of a season there. And as we said, he's been predominantly with the Wolfpack last season and now this season, but he's going to get another taste of NHL action when he likely is in the lineup on Wednesday against the Capitals. I would expect that he'll probably be out there in the fourth line. They'll slot him in in Leah Sanderson's old spot. And, you know, he'll probably be there with... I'm sure Brendan Smith will be there, and then, you know, maybe maybe Greg McKaig is there. It, it's going to depend a lot on, you know, obviously if Capo Caco plays. We'll see what's going on with Michael Haley, if he's even going to be back in the lineup. 
But yeah, I, I would imagine that they'll probably just slot him in on the fourth line. And that's okay because, again, the Rangers don't have these sky-high expectations for Gettinger like they do for Leah Anderson. And that's the difference. Gettinger is a guy who can come in and just kind of be a role player and fill out the fourth line for you. But with Leah Anderson, it just never made any sense to just be running him out there night after night after night after night on the fourth line when, you know, this is a guy who supposedly you know, you're very high on, you took him seventh overall, and you're looking to build around him. But with Gettinger, you know, it's fine to just slot him in there, and you take what you can get from him. You know, he again, he's pro- he's pretty much just going to be a depth piece for this team, and we'll see what happens. You know, maybe maybe he outperforms his expectations, and maybe he becomes a contributor, and maybe he never goes to the, down to the minors again this season. I That seems a little unlikely, but you never know. Crazier things have certainly happened in the NHL. And again, I can't stress this enough, Leas Anderson being sent to the minors is not the end of the world, because he's actually going to be out there on the ice, he's presumably going to be flanked by wingers who, who can put the puck in the net and make things happen, and the Rangers presumably still have big plans for Leas Anderson. So it's very likely that, and we talked about this in episode 18, but I certainly don't want the Rangers to trade him, because Leas Anderson's stock is very low right now. He has done next to nothing at the NHL level. So what could the Rangers possibly expect to get for him in return? If you're the Rangers, how much, and you're looking to move Leah Sanderson and you truly think you made a mistake and we got to get this guy out of here and just take whatever we can get for him, what can you expect to get for him? He has zero goals and one assist in 17 games this season. And for his NHL career, 66 games, just three goals, just six assists. So you tell me what the going rate is for a player with those kinds of numbers. I think right now, the best thing for everyone, everyone, is for him to be in the minors and just continuing to work on his game. Again, he's just 21 years old. There's plenty of time for him to continue to get better and eventually come up and at least be a serviceable contributor to the Rangers. Maybe he doesn't blossom into like an all-star player that you hope he's going to be when you take him so early in the draft, but at at least he can be a contributor. At least maybe he can project as like a third-line kind of player, score some goals, get a couple assists, you know, and, and just become a piece to this puzzle that the Rangers are trying to put together. Because again, this is a massive rebuild that the Rangers are going through right now. And eventually, you know, you're just going to have to hope that you get something out of Leah Sanderson because you cannot afford to whiff when you've got a top 10 pick in the NHL draft. But all is not lost for Anderson. We're going to keep an eye on him, you know, as the season goes on. I'm very curious to find out how he does with the Wolfpack because again, like we said, he has produced there before, at least moderate numbers, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. So that's going to pretty much do it for today. Once again, thank you guys for joining in. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, please send us an email, lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. If you prefer Twitter, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And once again, please give us a follow on Twitter. It's for your own benefit because as soon as a new episode drops, the first thing I do is fire out a tweet on there and let everybody know that the episode is live. So if you're following along on there, you'll know exactly when it happens. And like I said, we'll be back here again tomorrow to talk about the matchup against the Washington Capitals on Wednesday night at the Garden. We'll see you guys back here for that. Until next time.